Well, good morning, everybody. Syracuse. All right. Uh, my name is Aaron. Uh, my, uh, my home church is over in, in, uh, in Layton, so if you're new here, um, if you're thinking that you don't know my face, then join the club. You probably 95% of the people in this room, you're right there in the same boat uh, with everybody. Um, I'm one of the, the overseers over at, uh, over at Layton as of about an hour ago. <laughs> that just happened. And, uh, and, I, and I'm on the worship team over there too. Um, so, oh, thank you. All right. <laughs> so I was, I was very humbled um, when, when Brian asked me to come in and, uh, and preach on such an important uh, topic, anxiety, which is what we're talking about today. So I, I think I managed to go about 46 years or so without actually struggling with anxiety until they asked me to preach on anxiety. <laughs> and now, like, boom, I've got it, right? No, that's, that's uh, my, my wife was encouraging me this morning. She's like, don't worry, you know, if God can make donkeys talk, then you're probably going to be okay. You stand, a, uh, you stand a chance, maybe a half a step up from that. But it really is, uh, it really is an important topic. And um, it's important because it affects literally every single person uh, in this room. Everybody sitting here um, is affected, has been affected uh, by anxiety. It's going through something. And, and to, to some degree throughout the course of our, of our lives, we have been uh, affected by or are being affected by anxiety. Sometimes it's small things, um, you know, getting ready for a, uh, a job interview maybe. Um, sometimes it's, it's, it's big things. Where, where it can span you know, the course of a couple of days or maybe a couple of, of decades or, or even, even longer than that. Um, lots of different reasons, uh, lots of different reasons for anxiety. Um, I'll give you just kind of a personal, personal story. One thing for me is heights. Not really a big heights guy. Uh, that kind of tends to, to trigger me a little bit with, with anxiety. Also, the protection of my kids is another thing that makes me a little bit anxious. So I got a good story that kind of incorporates both of those things. Um, so we're a military family, um, and I have uh, my, my beautiful wife, Lindsay, is here with me this morning. We have, we have two wonderful kids and then two other ones. Um, I'm just, we have four kids, and I love them all. Uh, two, two boys and two girls in that, in that order. My oldest is 16. And, uh, and so we move around quite a bit, as you might expect. We've been here for about a year and, and some change, almost a year and a half, actually. Um, but uh, six years ago, he was 10. We were living in Melbourne, Florida. And, and Melbourne has a zoo with, with one of the most terrifying attractions I've ever seen. Like, you might, you, would, you wouldn't think it would be in some small town zoo, but this is the most horrifying thing I've ever participated in. Like, I've jumped out of planes. I've been to Afghanistan. Nothing compares to what I went through at the Melbourne, you know, Florida Zoo. Um, so it's called the Treetop Experience, and uh, I thought hey, this would be a great thing to do with my with my oldest. Again, he's ten, because uh, I think we're going to go up. You know, we're going to be uh, walking across some platforms from tree to tree. It's going to be really secure, and we're going to be looking at the zoo down below. What a like what a neat thing. That is not what it was, right, <laughs> at all. It was, it was an obstacle, a full-on obstacle course, about 50 to 70 feet above the ground from tree to tree, and the trees were probably 30 or 40 feet apart, 
for three hours, you guys. So you know when you get that adrenaline rush when something scary happens to you? Well, just imagine that sustained over three hours. Um, that gave me, I think I had PTSD, not to, not to trivialize, I know guys that, that actually have that, but I think I really did. For like a couple of days I was having nightmares about that experience. So we go up uh, to the top of the first platform, and it's one of those things where you're, you're on, it's kind of a, you know, big trees with a platform surrounding the tree, and then there's a, a safety wire that takes you from tree to tree, and then maybe just, you know, some swinging logs or something that you have to hold on to some very wobbly safety wires as you go 30 or 40 feet. Um, and you have two clips, and you gotta, you gotta unclip one, put it on the other line on the other side of the tree, and then unclip the other one. And you have to keep doing that as you go from tree to tree. So we get up there, there's no helpers, it's just me and my son, and then they tell us, well, you can't be on the same platform at the same time. So now I have to watch my son, his name's Eli, go across on his own, and for the next three hours, he's 30 to 40 feet away from me at all times, and I have to, and nobody else around him, right? And he's, we're, we're 30, 40 feet off the, off the ground. I have to trust that he is doing all of the procedures correctly. And I, I was freaking out. And that was really what did it in my heart. That is what gave me anxiety, and I was freaking out. Because I had, if something happened, there was nothing I could do, right? I had zero control over the situation. And uh, um, so that is, that's a small kind of a minor uh, example of what anxiety can kind of be like for us. Some, some folks have much more circumstantial, uh, more serious uh, examples of anxiety in their own lives. Maybe it's you know, your friends or your families. Maybe you have um, an estranged relationship with a, with a family member or an abusive relationship, or uh, maybe no relationship, and you're an anxious about not being in a relationship. Maybe it's uh, our jobs, meetings that are coming up, uh, people that we have to deal with, like, like Michael was, uh, was a source of anxiety for Stanley in the office, if you watch that show, right? Always got his, his blood pressure way high. Um, or maybe it's like a prolonged medical condition or something that you're dealing with. The point is we, we all have something that makes us anxious uh, in our own lives. Um, and, and that can include, by the way, that can include good things. So it can be, you know, I, I think that, that having a, a, a healthy, um, you know, sense of urgency about the safety of our kids is probably a pretty good thing. You don't want them playing in traffic, right? So it's the anxiety that spawns us to yank them out of the way of a car. Um, or if you, you know, for me, I, I want my kids, I really, really want, I pray for my kids to have, you know, by the time they, they leave our home, to really have a, a good understanding of who they are in the Lord and to have a, and have a deep uh, walk with him on, on their way out. And so uh, that's a good thing. But if I'm, if I'm anxious about that, if I am constantly worrying about that, then that's a little ironic, right? We're kind of, I'm, I'm kind of undercutting the very principles of trust in God that, that I want to instill in my kids to begin with. So here is a, uh, here's a fun fact. We've got a, we've got a um, verse on the screen. Did it work? Yay. Okay. So Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is, this is going to be kind of a bedrock verse for us as we explore anxiety over the course of the next five weeks. This is a big, important topic. It's going to take five weeks to really drill through uh, all of these things. Uh, here's a fun fact, though. So um, the most highlighted book in, uh, in, in Kindle... Kindle's most highlighted book is, in fact, the Bible. And the most highlighted passage in the Bible is, can anybody guess? John 3.16, Genesis 1.1, or maybe 1 Corinthians 13, the, the love chapter. It's not any of those things. It is this verse. It is the most highlighted passage in the most highlighted book uh, throughout all Kindle. That gives us a, a little bit of a scope of what we're dealing with, like how, how prevalent anxiety is uh, in our culture today. And, I, and I'll even say, I was talking with somebody in the, in the lobby over in Layton uh, just a, a little bit ago. I think our kids are experiencing this more than certainly I did growing up. You know, and chalk it up to whatever. Uh, social media might be a big thing. I mean, just imagine like public speaking, but constantly, right? I mean, and everything's recorded, everything is available. Uh, it's all, it's all there. If you mess up, you know, and you're the Star Wars kid, then you're you are never going to live that down. I mean, that's that is that is history. That is that is out there. That is your legacy. And that, our kids are dealing with that like on a constant basis. And so anxiety is out there. And and the fact that this is the most you know highlighted passage. I mean, that's just another piece of that. <clears throat> just more proof. So this is going to be our bedrock verse. Like I said, um, we're going to dive into this quite a bit. So over the course of the next, next five weeks, you know, next week we're going to talk a little bit more about control and kind of what it means to be a, a, a control freak. Uh, week three, we're going to start going into winning the battle of your mind because this is a battle of the mind. You know, we talked a few weeks ago in the spiritual warfare series about winning the battles in our mind. Um, that's the thing about anxiety. Like a lot of the things that we're going through <clears throat> are, are mental. They're not, it's not our reality, right? If you're claustrophobic, the walls aren't actually closing in on you, but they're there. It's, it's in your mind. You feel like you are. Uh, four, week four is going to, we're going to be focused on finances and then five is going to be on relationships. So I'm sure that nobody in here has any anxiety with any relationships, you know, but if you know somebody that might, maybe bring them back for that one because it's going to be a, a good one. Same thing with finances. I'm sure nobody has any problems with those, right? But today we're going to hit on uh, the definition of anxiety. We're going to get right into what it is, what the root cause is, and then what God says is the solution to this versus what we try to do. And we're going to get into something that we call the anxiety cycle and the peace cycle, the bad one and the, and the good one. Uh, so I'll give you a, a spoiler alert on the, uh, on the solution. It's Jesus, right? Just like when you, went to, when you went to Sunday school and your parents were like, hey, if they ask you a question just say Jesus because 95% of the time, like that's going to be the right answer. And you're going to get that pencil or the Tootsie Roll, you know, that was the prize, whatever, whatever you were hoping for, say Jesus. And it really kind of is that simple. We're going to break that down and get into it much more, but it's Jesus. Um, okay. So before we go too far though, we got to get on the same page with what this definition is. So according to the Oxford dictionary, we've got it up here. 
Anxiety is a feeling of worry or nervousness or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. So when you think of uncertain outcome, what does that remind you of? For me, uh, it reminds me of Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So uncertain outcomes. And the thing I find really interesting about this definition is how certain are our outcomes ever? You know what I mean? So I, I think that when we get into uh, a place of anxiety, what's happening is we are realizing that we're not really in control of whatever it is we thought we were in control of. <clears throat> and if we don't have a firm grip on who is in control, then we start to lose it a little bit and the wheels start coming off the wagon and we're like, well, if nobody's in control, what's going on? And you can start getting anxious about those things. So I think the potential is there for that to happen to anybody because the truth is that we're not really in control. So it's a facade, that control, that sense of control that we have is just kind of a, a facade. And when you're forced with that reality, like I was on that treetop experience, well, I'm like, you know what? I'm really not in control of the safety of my kids. Especially not in this instance, but really all the time. I mean, not to, not to any firm degree, right? And when you're faced with that reality, and we don't have you know, a firm grip on, on who actually has that control, that's when stuff starts to, to fall apart. That's when anxiety really starts to get a grip on our hearts. And we're gonna talk a lot more about control next week, so you gotta come back, you gotta come back. So now that, we, uh, now that we kind of understand what it is, is it really a bad thing all of the time? <clears throat> Not necessarily, right? And then God has God's designed our systems to have, I mean, we have adrenaline glands. glands. We, we, he wants us uh, to be spawned to action in some cases. And we, we need to be motivated to do things. Um, I, am, I am motivated to instill the word of God in my children's hearts. Um, but, but again, it's when, we, it's when we cross that threshold of, of not trusting in God which might be the simplest way to sort of break that down as a definition, especially for, if you're a believer. Um, really, anxiety kind of boils down to, it, to not trusting in God. And so if we let that sort of uh, be pervasive in our hearts, then that's when it kind of becomes unhealthy. That's when it becomes sin. When we start letting anxiety take over instead of trusting in God, that's when it becomes a really bad thing. <clears throat> So we've, another way to put that maybe is that we've ceased to acknowledge God's sovereignty, sovereignty over every situation, right? If you think about it, he's the creator of the universe. He holds all things together. Why do we think whatever it is we're going through is bigger than something that he can handle, right? But we don't give him that credit. We don't give him the full credit for being the sovereign creator of the, of the universe, um, and, and he wants that. He wants our trust. He wants to, us to trust him. I mean, if you think about all of our relationships, I mean, you want to trust the other person. You want them to be able to trust you. And why, like, why is that? Just, it, it's because you actually do have their best interests at heart, probably, sometimes. Most of the time with my kids. Um, 
And so you want them to trust you because you want them to believe that you're going to do what's right for them. Just, so just imagine God who has ultimate sovereignty and is always working for the good of those who love him and, and who loves us more than you will ever know, enough to die for us, enough to live a perfect life and die the death that we all should be dying. Uh, he loves us that much. How much more does he want us to trust him? than we want in our own relationships. So, I mean, think about that. He, he has, he has uh, nothing but goodness planned for, for us, and he wants us to trust in that. And when we don't, that's when he wants to, to bring us back to that trust. So we know what it is, what anxiety is, why it's not good. You know, ex ex excessively worrying about uncertain outcomes. It exposes a lack of, uh, of our trust in God. So let's talk about what might start out as, a, how something that might start off as a, as a small um, or benign kind of a thing, a little, a, a small piece of anxiety can actually turn into something that, that grips us more than it should. And we're going to go through what's called the anxiety cycle. So in any cycle, you go through a series of steps and then you get back eventually to step one and then you continue to iterate that. And so the anxiety cycle is a downward cycle, which means as we go through the steps, as you come back around to step one and you continue doing it more and more, the problem is compounding. It's not getting better, the problem is compounding. We're, we're gonna see the opposite of this in a second with the peace cycle, but, uh, but as with any cycle, it's just gonna be compounding. So the first step in this is the presence of anxiety in our hearts, which might not be necessarily something that we can control. Again, there, there are a lot of different reasons for this, and sometimes they just they sort of happen. Um, and uh, it's our choice of how we respond to that anxiety that decides whether we stay in this cycle or we go to the good one that we'll talk about in a second. But the presence of anxiety is the first thing. The second step here's where things start to go south, is avoidance, right? Because now, now we're starting to choose how to deal with the anxiety that we're inevitably going to face. And if we choose to avoid this, if we choose to avoid anxiety, um, or just sort of set it aside or kind of close our eyes to, uh, to whatever the problem is, this is where we start dealing with it in, in a very unhealthy way. There's... there's any number of reasons we might do this. Maybe we just don't want to be subject to the awkwardness or, or embarrassment of having to deal with it, or we don't want to face the discomfort of, uh, of facing that situation, or we don't want to admit that we don't have control. I know that that one is kind of a big one for me when I feel like I get anxious. It's admitting that I don't have control. That can be, that can be tough, especially for a lot of us, uh, a lot of us guys. For you know, whatever the reason is, this is where we start to, to bury this stuff. We really start to bottle it up instead of dealing with it in a healthy way. Okay, it brings us to the next step, temporary relief. So this will give us some relief. If we just sort of shove things to the side or we bottle it up, we're going to feel a little bit better temporarily because, uh, because we've, we can compartmentalize it, right? And I'll say, guys are tend to be good at this also, which is not a good thing. 
but just kind of imagine, I imagine in my head like a post office with a lot of different cubbies, and, I, and I'm saying, well, I'm going to give this to God. Here's, my, here's the cubbies over here that I'm going to give things to God over here. And these over here, I'm going to just kind of keep to myself. I'm going to compartmentalize stuff in my own heart. Maybe this, thing, this, this piece of anxiety, I'm going to put it in this one, I'm going to lock it, and I'm just not going to think about it or deal with it ever. Right? Not a good thing to do. And, and that's not, that's not what, what God is telling us to do, how to deal with our anxiety like we, like we just read in the verse a second ago. Uh, but for a while, it works. It works. It does give us some temporary relief. It might even work for a long time. It might even work for decades for some of us where we just don't have to think about that. And all the while, things are compounding, and we don't even realize it, right? But that only leads to the next step, which is more anxiety, right? Um, so my, my family and I, we moved here last year from Colorado Springs, and we lived in Black Forest, if anybody kind of knows where that is. A lot of ponderosa pine trees. We had a whole lot of pine trees on our property. Um, and so what happens is you get a lot of, you know, the needles are kind of constantly falling, and, and they form kind of this layer on the ground. If you don't deal with it, eventually what happens is more needles fall, you know, the next season, and then more needles fall, and you, and you just kind of get these, this compression of layers and, and duff that can sometimes be several inches, maybe, maybe even feet thick, right? And so you just get this, this huge layer of undealt with, you know, um, uh, forest litter. And, uh, and what's, so what's the problem with having something like that in Colorado? Like what happens in the summertime in Colorado? Well, you know, it happens here too, but especially there, it gets really, really dry and it gets pretty hot and there's a huge fire hazard. So now that duff has become a liability. Like that is a, that is a big uh, fire hazard. And then Black Forest in particular, where we lived back in 2016, there was a huge fire swept through the whole, the whole place. So we had, to, we had to take fire abatement really seriously while we were out there because that's what happens when you just have this thick layer of stuff that you don't deal with. It's, it becomes a hazard. So that type of anxiety when we just layer it on top of each other, that becomes hazardous to our heart. So that's how we are not supposed to deal with anxiety, right? Once we have more anxiety, you know, that leads us back into the triggers that cause the anxiety in the, in the first place, and then we avoid them, and then we get temporary relief, and then we go through the whole thing over and over and over and over. So that's the unhealthy thing. So what are we supposed to do? All right, well, we read it at the beginning, and we're going to continue reading this over and over for the next five weeks, but, uh, but Paul has actually outlined this really well in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. The peace cycle. So it's not a downward cycle, this one is an upward cycle, right? And again, as we iterate from step to step, back to step one, right? We are compounding this time the benefits, right? And, and we, we'll get to the payoff here uh, in a little bit, but the benefits, right? The peace of God that transcends our understanding, right? Those compound. But what it also means is it's not kind of a one-step thing, right? You don't, you don't just... When you're riding your bike, you don't just go one, you know, revolution of the, of, the, of the wheel cycle. You have to keep going. The cycle keeps going over and over and over. The steps keep repeating. So this is a constant, it's a, it's a life-changing choice that we have to make. So let's take another look at our, at our bedrock verse here, 
right? And we're going to look at it. We're going to look at it actually from a, a different translation here. The new, the new Living Translation says, "Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and thank Him for all He has done." So, that is the four steps right there. These uh, these four underlined phrases that, that we just read, that makes up those four steps of the peace cycle. So God has actually already perfectly framed the solution. It's right there uh, in front of our eyes for how we're supposed to be dealing with anxiety the, one, the way he wants to deal with it. So of course that first step there is don't worry about anything, right? Overthrow worry. This doesn't mean to uh, ignore it or to stuff it away. So when, when we say that, when, when Paul is saying, don't worry, again, he's not saying compartmentalize this. He's saying, don't worry, as in deal with this in the healthy way. Deal with this the way God wants us to deal with this. We need to take this seriously, otherwise this is going to take root in our lives. We've got to recognize anxiety for what it is and overcome it. Right? We're, we're going to reject control of anxiety over our mind, and we're choosing not to get stuck in that worry cycle, right? But choosing not to worry about anything is, seems like a pretty tall order to me. Like, that's, that's a pretty, anything is a pretty all-encompassing word. Um, it just doesn't seem like we can even really do that. I'm not sure how possible that is. When we look at the Greek word, though, for anxious in Philippians 4, 6, the Greek word is merimnao, and what that actually means is to take full thought. So anxiety is, is taking full thought. So it's when that anxiety completely encompasses our, our mind, our thoughts, to where we really dwell on it, and we have a hard time dwelling on something else. So it's, it's less of um, not concern yourself about any, anything ever, right? It's not, it's not that. That's not what Paul's saying. He's, it's more like he's saying, don't be a worrier. So there's a difference between, you know, don't ever worry or concern yourself about anything and don't be a worrier. Like, don't let this take root in your heart. Don't let it steal the joy or the peace that God wants for us. Don't let it undercut our trust in God. Don't be a worrier is what he's really saying. And, I mean, if we, if we think about the context behind the book of Philippians, you know, what's happening in Philippians right now? Well, we're getting pretty close to the end of Paul's life, actually. He is in prison, and, and the Philippians are, are freaking out a little bit. They, they actually have quite a bit of reason to be, to be anxious. They're, they're worried about Paul's imprisonment, for one thing. They're also worried about their own suffering, um, all for sharing the sake of the gospel, which might be one of the most if the most noble reason, you know, that we could be anxious about something would be that. And what Paul is saying is even that is not worry-worthy, right? Even that is not worry-worthy. Maybe the most dire circumstances somebody could be in for the most noble of reasons, even that is not worth worrying about. Um, and so I, not to trivialize, I know that there's probably, you know, folks in here who are going through some pretty serious things, but but not to trivialize that, but if, if that is not worth worrying about, it's, it's hard for me to imagine something else uh, that God would be okay with us worrying about, that would, that would rise above those type of circumstances and actually be 
worry of our worthy. Right? So God's message here to us is there is no circumstance that's bigger than he is. There is no real reason for us to be a worrier and not take things to him. And we can choose to overcome our anxiety. Right? Which brings us to step two. How do we do that? Pray about everything. Right? Taps us, this, this taps into the source of our victory, which is our relationship with the Lord. The, the enemy, he wants us to worry, so what we should do is just kind of turn that tactic on its head, right? Let the anxiety that comes our way drive us to our knees in prayer. Deepen our relationship with our Father. And then all of a sudden, that anxiety that the enemy meant for bad has become a, you know, maybe a good thing for us. And I've seen this, I've seen this work in, uh, in, in real life. Um, you know, we have a cousin who, who went through cancer a decade and a half ago. Um, and, and he was a strong believer, had a strong faith. Uh, it was a pretty significant time in his life. And, but his countenance never changed. He always had a smile on his face. He trusted that he was right where God wanted him to be all of the time. And man, that had an impact on everybody around him, right? on everybody around him. So we look at that circumstance and we go, that is, you know, it's an awful circumstance. How could, you know, how could somebody make it through that? Or why are we having to go through this? Or uh, any number of questions or doubt that kind, of, that kind of spikes up in our minds when we see somebody going through like that, especially a strong believer. But then you look at the impact that he had on the doctors and the nurses and all of the people who saw him go through this the way he did, and what a tremendous, testimony that was, what, what a huge witness that was to, to the Lord and to his faith in the Lord. Um, so we know that God can use those things in ways that we can't even think about, but we replace it with prayer. Okay, so here we go. We got a, a, another good example of somebody who replaces it in prayer. Um, uh, if we look at Second Chronicles 20, we can see uh, the story of Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah at the time, and he had a, uh, a pretty big army uh, that was descending on, on Judah. Um, and, uh, and his response was uh, something that we should aspire to. It was completely different from his father, by the way. If we take a step back a couple of chapters and we look at King Asa, who was Jehoshaphat's father. Um, what we see is, uh, is he, he was faced with a very similar situation. He was not, Judah and Israel were not friends at the time. Israel was, was taking steps to kind of border Judah in and, and trap them. And instead of trusting in God, what King Asa did was he went to an enemy nation, dumped out all the treasury from, from God's temple, and bribed them to come and, uh, uh, and, save, and save Judah. And it worked for a little while. Right? It worked for a little while uh, until they decided they wanted to be enemies again, and all of a sudden now they don't have you know, any, any protection and they don't have any uh, money either. So he responded by panicking. Jehoshaphat, now as we read this, oh, oh, our God, won't you stop them? We're powerless against this mighty army that's about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, 
but God's. So Jehoshaphat takes a completely different tact. He's, he's faced with the ex almost exact same situation, existential threat type of situation where he is, he is he's facing an army that they cannot defeat on their own. And what does he do? He turns to God. And he is actually given victory almost before that battle even starts in, in that way. So that's a good example from the Old Testament of how to do it right and how to... Uh, uh, replace our anxiety with prayer. So step three, verbalize our needs. This is telling God what we need. This is another thing that guys tend to not be good at um, when, we, when we bottle our, our stuff up. So what this means, though, is as you verbalize our needs, what we're doing is we're making ourselves vulnerable to God, or if I'm, if I'm talking about whatever it is I'm struggling with, with my wife or, or friends or whoever, I am, I'm, I am admitting that I am not perfect, and I am struggling with something, and that makes me vulnerable, which what we actually see is that can deepen our relationships in whatever context we're talking about, you know, be it with our, our spouse or our kids. That's an important one. Being vulnerable with your kids, that's hard, because they... they you know, I feel like they should look to me like I'm some kind of Superman, but the reality is if they can see me going through struggles and having anxiety, then they'll know that it's okay to do that, and they'll know how to do it correctly, you know? Um, so verbalizing our needs is important. The fourth step here, thank God for the wins. This is a really big one for me. I think even in the midst of the scariest trials, there are things to be thankful for, of course, maybe even the trial itself, which can be difficult. Psalm 34 says, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness and let us exalt his name together. So it's easy to get really wrapped up in our temporary circumstances. What being thankful does is it kind of lifts us out of those. And it says, God has brought me this far I have a lot to be thankful for. Why would he let me go now? You know? So again, we're a military family, and we, I move, we've probably moved, I think, 11 times in the last 20 years. Um, and there have been times when I just don't know what's happening. I don't know where we're, where we're at. I'm anxious about it. I don't like you know, the job. I don't understand how this is, is going to pay off in the end. But looking back, I can see where God was working and threading our lives and our relationship with him all the way through until today. And I could be very thankful for that. So being thankful kind of brings us out of our temporary circumstances, lets us see our lives a little bit more the way God does, and, uh, and, and then that solidifies our trust in him. Okay, so that is the cycle, and now we get to the payoff. You will understand, you, sorry, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and minds as we live in Christ Jesus. His peace, right? The opposite of excessive anxiety. So anxiety happens when our, like we said in the beginning, when our illusion of control is shaken and we choose not to put our trust in God. But if we choose to put our trust in God, if we choose to go to him in prayer, to verbalize our needs, to thank him for what he has done, then he is giving us peace. So I notice in my own life, when I, when I don't pray in the mornings, 
um, I tend to be more anxious throughout the day. And I think that that's, that's, that's largely attributed to I, I am closing my eyes and kind of stiff-arming, you know, God, but closing my eyes to the, to the things that he is actually doing in my, in my life. Um, there may not be any difference in, in, in what he is doing based off my prayer, but when I do pray in the mornings, I, I feel like my eyes are open more to what he's doing. And so when my eyes are open to what he is doing, and I don't feel like I'm by myself and I have to control everything, then I can let go. Then I can let go and I can say, um, you know, God, I, I can, I can, my eyes are open, I see you, I know what you're doing in my heart, in my family, in my work, and I'm going to trust in that and I'm not going to be anxious about it. So we're going to experience this peace. I'll say here, the final point that I'll make is, again, kind of mention it at the beginning, but this is not a one-time thing. This is a cycle. This is him giving us peace and guarding our hearts and our minds as we live in Christ Jesus. So as we live in Christ Jesus, as we go through this cycle of getting anxious, going to him in prayer, verbalizing our needs, thanking him over and over, maybe like multiple times throughout the day. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, a, a time that you just set aside for, for quiet time for a half an hour, an hour every morning, although those are pretty good to do. But it could just be, it could just be you know, taking a second um, to, to acknowledge him and to recognize what he's doing and to thank him for it or to just lay whatever it is that we're dealing with at, the, at, at his feet. I mean, that can just be just a sentence in your mind. Just, just being conscious of that, I think, is what, ta- is what Paul is talking about when he says just pray continuously. And that's why we do that. That's why we pray without ceasing. Got to keep the cycle moving in our hearts and in our lives. So uh, I'm going to close with this. It's my prayer that, uh, that nobody would leave here today, at least without not knowing who, what the solution is, or maybe better stated who the solution is, right? It's Jesus, like we said. Um, if you're a believer, the, the solution's right here in front of us. Um, it's recognizing when we're affected by anxiety and letting that prompt us to pray as opposed to trying to push it away. Uh, and if you're not... A believer, if you haven't yet made that decision to trust in the Lord, then maybe he's tugging at your heart this morning. Um, maybe, he, maybe you got something that, uh, that, you, that you is, is kind of gripping in your heart, and he is telling you, let me take this for you. Let me take your anxiety. Let me take whatever it is that you're dealing with. Let me, let me deal with this. Come to me in prayer. Trust me with it. Let me give you my peace that surpasses all understanding. You know, and if that's you, if you want to, to know more about that or if you're ready to make that decision, there's going to be people up here in the front after the service that will talk more about that with you or we will pray with you. Um, and I would encourage you to take that step because there is nobody that can take our anxiety away the way God can. And there is no peace like, uh, like the peace that he offers. He, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Right? So let's pray. Father, you are so great and big and mighty. You are the only one that is worthy of all of our worship and all of our praise. You are the only one who can take away our anxiety. You are the only one that gives 
true peace. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that you care enough about us knowing that you created the entire universe and, and still you love us more than we will ever know. You created us and, and you love us so much that you want to take all of our burdens. You want to give us peace. You want to take all of our anxiety and you want us to trust in you because you want that relationship with us. You just want our hearts, Lord. We thank you so much for that. We thank you for everything that you are and for everything that you're doing for us, in Jesus' name.